This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. And welcome to the Sun Solar Panel at Phoenix Sun Show. I'm Tim Tompkins. I'm Greg Esposito. Ahoy, hoy. <laughs> Usually you don't say it, Dave. <laughs> and that's Dave King. And today on the show, we are going to talk about the Sun's big win over the Pacers. We're going to recap some team stats, go over our uh, choice for player of the game, the Bridges versus Warren matchup. Uh, the bench unit coming up strong again, especially when Devin Booker is in foul trouble or fouls yeah. out of the game, and where the Suns sit in the bubble as of the time of recording this episode. Um, first question, though, which stream were you guys watching? Uh, and where the Suns sit in the bubble as of the time of recording Apparently this Apparently Dave's episode. watching um, one of the streams. First question, though, which stream were you guys watching? Uh <laughs> And where the Who, okay, who's watching the stream? Turn it off. <laughs> so, watching. I don't know what's going on. All right, sorry about that, everybody. Okay, what stream were you guys watching on League Pass? I was watching Fox Sports Arizona. I don't need. Yeah, that. we're local. We don't have to watch League Pass. Oh, I got you. Okay, well, the, the I'm not sure if you guys saw my tweet or if you were aware of it or not, but uh, NBA League Pass has decided to do an influencer stream. So they had Nate Duncan and Danny Larue doing uh, the play-by-play in the commentary, Jesus. which I have to tell you oh. was the the irony behind it. I don't think that <laughs> the NBA really oh, understood. Tell us about it. Tell us, Tim. We got halfway. They blocked their own audio. You know. That's, uh, that's no, it, I, I actually thought that they did a really uh, nice job, and it was a bit refreshing. You know, I as much as I love the home broadcast, at some point sometimes it is nice to hear another perspective every once in a while um i thought they did a really great job but i'm pretty sure they have never once seen uh, kelly Oubre play a game for the suns and it seems like the only thing they did was complain about deandre ayton uh the entire game oh surprise surprise <laughs> way to go guys one heck of a game the dude had he made some great defensive plays in that game and he had uh, he ended up with four blocks. He had ten rebounds, and he had twenty three points. And even Suns fans were ripping on him too. I think too many people were watching that league pass feed. I, if it, it because his name isn't a certain unnamed person, we're not going to mention here. He's going to continue to get this. But this was a hell of a game from DeAndre Ayton defensively, offensively. He came through. Uh, he did the little things that that they needed to win this game. Uh, Devin in foul trouble. Uh, he, he didn't have as big of an offensive game as 
uh, obviously the other night or the the previous two games, DeAndre Ayton helped fill that void uh, and played very well. And anybody that didn't see that is just looking for a reason to nitpick yeah. DeAndre Ayton's game. It's that it's plain and simple. DeAndre Ayton had a hell of a game, and he's a huge reason why this team is four and zero now in the bubble. Well, and that's 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 absolutely true. I just don't understand the constant negativity around Aiton. Look, he has some things he has to work on. I totally agree. I was getting texted by some buddies of mine too. Same thing. Look, yeah, he's got some things to work on, but the man made a huge difference in this game. Huge difference defensively, and people don't notice that. When he just goes vertical, he doesn't get the foul call, but he causes a missed shot. He causes the guy to miss the miss that um, uh, the layup he's going for. I mean, he he totally contested so many shots. It was it was impressive if you were actually watching a play that didn't have a score in it or or a jump shot in it or or a slam dunk. He was actually had a really good game. He was very engaged the entire game. Steve yeah, he lays up. He lays in the ball a little bit too much uh, for everybody's liking. But you know what? Two points is two points. And he got to the free throw line on some of those uh, down low in this game too. Look, Steve in the chat says, to be honest, every time I check the game, he did something frustrating. I think that's part of the problem. There's a lot of people that get frustrated, and this is no knock on you, Steve. I appreciate you being part of the uh, flaming ballers. But I I think part of the problem is – People aren't watching full games, especially during this bubble, because they're at very weird times for people who are working. So if they do check in and only see a little bit, they're not seeing the complete game and what DeAndre Ayton's doing uh, on both ends of the floor. Uh, I thought I thought he was very great uh, at times today and uh, very great today in the game, did a lot of good things. Uh, throughout and he's again a big reason why they're sitting at 4-0 and why they why they were able to basically for most of this game manhandle the Pacers Uh, they were they're missing Sabonis obviously and and Aiton came out and took advantage of a a hole in their uh, in their low post the Suns really did they did manhandle the Pacers this whole game that's for sure Um, so one one thing is the worth noting the Suns hit 30 wins huh Yep, Suns yeah. haven't had 30 wins since 2015. <clears throat> and um, um, and, and what's the bigger piece, Tim? Uh, no bigger piece. I was also going to say that they they held the Pacers to a 96 offensive rating uh, for the game, which is incredibly impressive. Yeah, absolutely. The other bigger piece I was going to point out, sorry, I thought you were leading to this, but the Suns are only one game at a ninth, and there's four games to play. And uh, they they absolutely have the momentum to get into that into that plan. I would love to see Portland and the Suns get that play-in game. That would be freaking awesome. It's it, it would be tight. There's going to be it's going to go down the last game uh, whether the Suns are going to get in there. But guess what? The Suns last two. Oh shoot, I don't have their schedule in front of me. But they play the Mavericks one of their last two games. Mavericks are already locked into the seventh seed. So the Suns are playing teams that are going to rest players because um, they're not playing the other teams that are competing for that playoff spot. And those other teams have to beat each other. So I think it's, I think the Suns have a really strong shot actually of getting into that play in game. I mean, Dave, look, they're, they're only, two games out of the eighth spot right now. And Memphis is in a complete and utter free fall. They're 0-4. Suns are 4-0, the only 4-0 team in in the bubble. And now things are getting really interesting. You could wind up having this be a three-team race between Portland, 
Phoenix and the Spurs if if Memphis continues oh, continues this free fall uh, that they're in. Look tonight, there's a a big game uh, with the Spurs or excuse me with Portland taking on Denver. The Suns badly need Denver to win that game because then there's only a half a game between them and the Trailblazers for that ninth spot, and things start to get very exciting at that point. Right, uh, the Suns are, are have. The 76ers, who will be without Ben Simmons now due to an injury. Miami, who could very well be without Jimmy Butler, who's been out hurt and potentially Goran Dragic. This schedule starts to look a heck of a lot easier than we thought Mm -hmm. uh, after those first four wins just due to injury. So there's an opportunity to do something truly special sitting right in front of the Phoenix Suns right now. And because of what's happened with the teams in front of them, they now kind of control their own destiny in, in some ways. As long as they take care of business uh, and keep playing this way, they likely will will have a, a, a great shot at forcing that plan. What is interesting is a couple of people have commented that uh, what happens if there's ties at the end. So part of it is going to be winning percentage, and that's the way it always is. Um, for tiebreakers and stuff like that, uh, tiebreaker rules are about winning, uh, include winning percentage as well as one of the tiebreakers. So it could be Portland does have, I think, two more games on their schedule played. So they're likely to have a higher winning percentage just on the third decimal than uh, another team that played two less games because Portland was at 67 and the Suns were at 65, for example, when play stopped. But if you've got two teams with who have the same number of games played, same record, same number of wins, same number of losses. I expect they'll have to do some kind of play in to the play in, right? I mean, it seems like you if you do have three teams left and two of them are tied for ninth, for example, and they are um, both the same exact record, I feel like you'd have to have a play into the play in. Uh, how amazing would that be? I don't know if that's <laughs> what the NBA has, but if you had a one game to get into a, a, a basically a two game series to then get into a seven game series with, with the Lakers, this could, this could be the most exciting week and a half stretch of basketball we've ever seen. Uh, and, and, and the Memphis Grizzlies have done a lot to make this even more exciting. Like we thought, oh, you're fighting for ninth. No, you're fighting for eighth now too. And that's amazing. I mean, honestly, who would have thought that we would be at, at this point um, into yeah. the bubble restart and the Suns would have gone 4-0? I mean, I this is the first had... four-game win streak of Devin Booker's career, by the way. Hey, do well, it at I the thought, right time. Dave, I thought you said that the Suns won five games to start the, the season. <sighs> they went five and two, but I don't think it had four wins uh, in a row in there. I got it you. Three. Three was the most uh, yeah. Book had had before. So if I said game. four, I think I was wrong. But it, I, I, I'm pretty sure this is the, the first. And, and we're obviously, we're going to go down player by player and really talk about our thoughts. But mm-hmm. just to quickly touch on, on Devin Booker, I thought that this stretch of games from Devin Booker uh, has been as close to the best of his career. I mean, his passing today specifically, uh, you know, even though he didn't light up the box score with assists, and that's because player were, players were missing wide open threes, I thought was one of the best passing games that I've ever seen him play too. He, he had yeah. 10 assists. I mean, he had a double-double. Yeah. He I, ended up with, yeah. Uh, ahead, I think sorry. his best stretch too was when he came back uh, with five fouls with eight minutes left to go in this game, right? He comes in, hits some shots, makes some nice passes, but there was a moment where he got a travel called on him, right? And it didn't really look like a travel. It looked very much like the shot he hit 
to win the game uh, against the Clippers. And he got very angry and was about to go after the refs. And Monty caught his eye and the camera, great camera angle by Fox Sports Arizona on this to take the shot. And you could see Monty telling him, just calm down, let that one go, play within yourself. And it, it spoke, that was a microcosm of what this season has been to me, is Monty Williams' massive impact on Devin Booker and the way he approaches the yeah. game, the way he approaches his teammates. That moment was, Devin, this is your team, this is your game, don't let the refs uh, get in your head. Because if he had, if he had gone off, he probably fouls out. Instead, Monty calms him down, and he uh, was a big reason why the Suns withstood that last uh, Indiana push and wound up winning uh, 114.99 in the end of this. Uh, that was that was my favorite moment of the game, and I think that was the best eight-minute stretch from Booker we've seen because he had to do it with uh, with so much uh, on the line and only being able to to have one foul in that. Let me let me make a couple of comments on the flow of the game. I took some notes, and and most of the people know this already, but I just want to tack them together. So at the beginning of the game, the Suns went on a 17-0 run with their starters against the Indiana starters. 17-0. Um, they were down, I think, 9-7, and they went up 24-9. Um, so there was that 17-0 run with the starters. And then the second half, it was a 21-0 run with the bench with campaign and Dario Sharge doing, uh, I think all the scoring, if not almost all, but I think it was all the scoring. And then um, Indiana came back again and got it uh, down into single digits. And it was a sequence. My favorite sequence of the game was when Deandre in John Deandre Ayton blocked Malcolm Brogdon on a reverse layup, caught his own block, landed in bounds, passed it to for, uh, out on the break and then finished on a pick and roll uh, drive, driving to the hoop on the other end. Uh, that personal turnaround with the block, the rebound, the pass and the finish um, that put the Suns back up 10 and they never looked back. Yeah, that was an incredibly important stretch. I mean, I really only felt like there was one point in the game where I started to think uh, it's possible that the Pacers are really going to pull this away. I think it was sort of to, to start the third in which the Pacers mm -hmm. had really closed out the second well, and they started the third um, uh, pretty well as well. Devin Booker had just gotten into, into foul trouble, and I think that the Suns actually lost the lead by a couple of points for a couple of minutes. But um, after that, it was it was all Suns all day. Um, yeah. So I do, uh, I guess we should probably go into, we want to go into uh, what's in the box, Greg. All right. What's in the, what's box? In the box? <laughs> Let's pull up the box man. score now, right? Y'all crazy. Before we get into the box score, let's go into the team stats. So the Phoenix Suns out-rebound the Pacers 53-38, to 38, um, specifically on the offensive glass, uh, 12 compared to 5 for the Pacers. 27 assists for the Suns compared to 20 for the Pacers, 6 steals apiece. Uh, the Suns did have 4 blocks. I believe all 4 of them came from DeAndre Ayton, though. I thought I saw Mikael Bridges walk or two in the game. Uh, and both teams respectively had 15 turnovers apiece. Yeah, the Suns really uh, showed out in this game. You could just, I had a feeling earlier in the day, but I didn't want to jinx it by by tweeting it or sharing it with anybody. But I really felt like this was going to be their biggest game of the bubble so far, biggest win of the bubble so far. I felt like the Pacers um, just didn't really quite have the horses it took. I mean, they the Pacers were 3-0 also. But two of their two of their wins were Orlando and Washington. And the Suns, 
also played Washington, but had played Denver, uh, excuse me, had played Dallas and then beat the Clippers. Uh, Suns had the harder schedule and the Suns were really on a roll. Um, and look, I don't want to hold anything against TJ, but I didn't see another 40 point game coming from him. Well, we'll talk about that. There might have been a, a bit of a Mikhail Bridges impact and that, that said 16-point performance. I think it was 16 points. We'll look Bridge at over troubled TJs. Yes. Uh, let's talk about leading scorers for the game. DeAndre Ayton, 23 points, 10 rebounds, uh, one assist, two steals, and yes, four blocks. Devin Booker, um, he only had 20 points and you know, only uh, had 20 points. Oh. Obviously, that is because he was in foul trouble for a good portion of the game. 50% shooting. He was 7 of 7 at the strike. Uh, you guys pointed out earlier, but he did have 10 assists as well. Dario Saric, uh, another really strong game, I thought, for him. 16 points. Campaign uh, off the bench is that second guard. I had, We're going to get into the player of the mm. game. And Greg and I, Dave, yeah. before you got on, um, after you finish up the, the post-game media availability, we're talking about our thoughts on the player of the game. Um, we didn't go with, with Campaign uh, because he was a negative five specifically uh, for the on-off numbers, but I thought that he was well-deserving. Uh, Ricky Rubio, Mikhail Bridges, uh, 10 points. A really strong outing pretty much from everybody except except for uh the, the the best player on the suns frank i'm sorry did you mention cam johnson 14 and 12 cam johnson 14 and 12 with two assists uh seriously three assists and a steal he was really important even though he didn't show i mean he didn't like show as the one of the best players out there he did a lot of really good things out there well he was and a his second positive, level double he was a positive 36 on the court and he led the team in, in the in the plus minus department yes look which is wild he, he's, I think in my mind, he's starting to solidify that spot forward. Some combination of, of him and, and Bridges, whoever you want to count as, as the power forward, but they look good together. He looks like uh, as long as he can stay healthy, uh, the kind of guy that you want in yeah. there uh, in terms of being able to stretch the floor. And you now have two really long uh, guys out there uh, on the floor with him and Mikhail Bridges. I'm excited what I'm seeing uh, from Cam Johnson, but without campaign, they don't win that game. I you mean, know, they I'm go not going to campaign or Cam Johnson campaign. Uh, you know, yeah. With, well, we'll just finish really quick on Cam Johnson before we go on. I'm never going to say I'm a person who has sources because I don't live for sources. I don't, I, I don't <laughs> act like a regular journalist where I dig and dig <laughs> and dig. Sorry guys. I just don't, I know people with the organization, but they don't tell me stuff. They don't tell other people. However, I did come across a nugget of information. I laughed off last summer after Cam Johnson was drafted by the Suns. Oh, by the way, everyone should go back and watch Greg and Tim's, uh, recap of the draft. Um, who the hell is campaign <laughs> or, or Cam, Cam Johnson? Uh, who the hell is Cam Johnson? Let, but let's be but honest. Anyway, but anyway, everybody was asking that question. Nobody, yeah, had, yeah. nobody knew why he went at 11. Uh, yeah. At 11. So, so anyway, um, I, I found it. I heard a nugget of information from somebody who knew somebody who knew Cam Johnson, who was working with the Suns. They actually talked about Cam Johnson being a power forward before the end of his rookie year. They really did. Last summer, they said they wanted him to bulk up. Uh, they wanted him to be able to stretch that floor and be that future stretch forward. So, um, and I thought I laughed it off at the time because because looking at him from as a senior, who I thought, oh, he's already filled out. This is the body he's going to have, and he looked about as skinny as Mikel Bridges. Well, it just turns out in today's game, guys like Mikel Bridges and Cam Johnson and Kelly Oubre can spot time at power forward and do well. Give, give uh, me a sec Give me a second here. I'm, I'm going to look right here in the camera and say, Cam Johnson, I'm sorry I didn't know who you were, 
but I'll never forget who you are now. So thank you for what you've done in the bubble and what I hope you continue to do here in Phoenix. The warg of Wall Street in the YouTube chat says, I bet Indy is feeling some sort of Johnson pain. Um, hey Malishi <laughs> Ashes says, well, either way, if Kelly stays or not, I'd still want Mikhail and Cam to start. I think that's really interesting. So the whole time you were you were talking about uh, Cam being the, the future at Power Forward, Dave, I was just thinking, but that has really been Mikhail Bridges. The, the best lineup for the Suns has been the Mikhail Bridges at four and the Kelly Oubre at three. Um, you know, and it, it does make you wonder if we're coming up into that sort of a, a log jam again. But then you, again, you look at you look at teams like uh, the Clippers who have tons of wings uh, and they're doing OK. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. It's really important to have a lot of uh, switchable players out there. And what I really like about DeAndre Ayton is he's one of those switchable players. He moves so well that he can be one of those guys who, who switches out part of the, what the Suns are doing this year is they're doing a lot of drop coverage uh, with the center because besides DeAndre, you've got Frank and Dario and Aaron Baines playing uh, those minutes. And uh, so, and they can't, do the switching. I, I would be excited to see if the Suns had like a more athletic, better than Sheck Diallo. Don't ever mention Sheck Diallo again in this rotation, please. Um, but if they get someone better than that who can do who can switch as well in spot time at center, it'd be it'd be fun to see Monty actually let the centers, including uh, DeAndre Ayton, do switching out out on the perimeter and see what happens because he does so well when he gets locked in like that. Um, and so yeah, you need you need the length. Obviously, we're seeing that there are teams with smaller guards out there that the Suns can kind of swallow up a little bit. Even Campaign is a 6'7 uh, wingspan, even though he's only 6'2 in height. Um, Javon Carter is the smallest dude out there. He just gets into your grill uh, really well. So I think the Suns are actually doing very well. Holding a team in this bubble environment under 100 is pretty impressive. Well, <laughs> YouTube chats, man. It's it's crazy the recency bias that people really have. Someone plays a couple of good games, another player's injured, and we're like, yeah, just bring him in off the bench, you know, talking about Kelly Oubre. But it's, it's Kelly Oubre. Many... People, please don't forget that Kelly Oubre was part of the third best lineup in the entire NBA this year. Plus 20 over over reasonably good minutes, 250 minutes. That's the average. Uh, some of the best lineups barely uh, cracked into the 300s. So okay. um, as far as minutes played together, just real quick, plus 20.2 ever on, on a game if they could play. So stop with the Kelly Oubre hate, please. Kelly who? <laughs> Kelly Oubre. That's what it is. If you can't get over whatever mental hurdle is going on with you to play with these guys with how damn exciting this has been and what they're doing, I don't have room for you anymore. I mean, that's that, that's the bottom line for me is this. I know it's recency bias, but this makes Kelly Oubre even more expendable. I've, I've been uh, talking about mm -hmm. this uh, for months now that just the contract situation and, and the amount of wings you had made Kelly the logical choice. But this is now uh, confirming what I was believing even more, that Kelly's the likely guy that's out but like can we please well, talk about can people campaign say, kelly kelly has yes we can go back to campaign real quick but kelly has been upgraded to doubtful which means he's getting closer to playing he did practice a little bit yesterday he might play in these upcoming games aaron baines probably will not he's got some knee impingement of some sort um so really when people say we need baines to get in there to take frank's minutes away how about just have kelly take frank's minutes away that'd be pretty awesome actually 
That'd be if, really freaking awesome. If he comes back and this thing gets screwed up, oh man. Like No, I, I don't want to start mess- him. I want him to play Frank's minutes. No, Nobody can saying- screw up Frank's minutes more than Frank is. <laughs> That that Nobody. is fair, Dave. That is a hundred percent fair. I'll Good give you Lord. that. I will give you that a hundred percent. If that uh, forces Dario there. to play five more minutes in a game, and and DeAndre to play five more minutes, or or Kelly takes those ten minutes, come on, nobody can do worse. No, I that <laughs> is fair. But do not screw with this starting lineup right now. Do not screw with major <laughs> minutes down the stretch. Like the last thing you want is is to try to make some massive change just because Kelly decides, oh, now my knee feels good enough. Like. Uh, Sorry, the train's rolling. You gotta, you gotta run. To He's catch been up with the it biggest now. cheerleader on the team uh, so far. Guys oh, talk about it all the time. There is no knock on what he brings from an emotional level. What he, the fact that he was willing to go out there and cheer these guys on. I'm just talking strictly on the court right now. I'm superstitious as hell, and you just when you had a winning streak, you don't disrespect that streak. You ride it until it comes to an end, and, and the Suns need to do that. And hopefully, that end is sometime in a seven game series against the Los Angeles Lakers. And if that means Kelly Oubre sits out that whole time, so be it. But you ride the hot hand, you ride this streak as far as you can, and you don't mess with it. <laughs> YouTube chat's on fire today, man. Yeah, Buck dog saying Frank, the, Frank the empty tank. <laughs> man, you guys are hilarious. So, yeah, let's let's go through and talk about some of the players individually. Uh, let's go ahead. You know, Greg's been waiting to talk about campaign. I've been waiting to talk about campaign. I thought this was his best game as a Phoenix Sun so far. Um, he, you know, he was he it went he had a stretch where he had a couple of, of threes that was really great, but specifically, uh, I thought that his help defense was really really good in this mm-hmm. game and it's it's great to see another guard so quick out there on the floor yeah he he came in and he was the difference maker right indiana closes the gap takes a brief lead at, at one point and then campaign comes in and yeah he had a rough stretch earlier in the game but he comes in and and he basically took over slashing the hoop, making buckets, hitting threes, uh, just doing everything that second unit needed that spark that they've been missing at backup point guard. If he doesn't come in and do that, uh, Indiana probably builds on that lead. while while the starters are on the bench and then you've got Devin in foul trouble, trying to make a comeback instead of trying to come in and be able to keep the lead. When was the last time a lefty, when was the last time a lefty backup point guard, stepped in um, and and took over a game, a big, huge uh, playoff atmosphere game. Wasn't Gordy a, le- Gorn a lefty? Yeah, yeah, he was. <laughs> 20, 23 points. Cam's our new Gorn. He's there, the new dragon. I, I There was a lineup that the Suns were playing for a little while uh, going back where I believe every player on that Suns lineup was, was left-handed. There was? I, I think so. I think so. Yeah. I remember talking about it. Um, yeah, no, I thought, I thought pain was, was incredible this game, but it was one of those where if you're looking at the on off numbers, uh, where I believe he was a negative five and his minutes, it, that just didn't, to me, I was shocked when I saw that. I was shocked as well when you brought that up. <laughs> I expected Dave to have something there, and Dave just sat there. So I was shocked as well when you brought yeah. that up. Well, I can't, I'm used to you taking it, <laughs> taking the lead first from Tim every time. I, uh, I, 
I'm sorry. I thought I'd give you a chance to speak. I I apologize. <laughs> I, I blew my one yeah, shot. That, yeah, I'm that, Frank. Okay. I'm the Frank of this podcast. Well, right. we, yep. all, we, we always knew that. <laughs> well, well, exactly. And, uh, you know, the Monty. So you'll get lots and lots of other chances whether or not you deserve them. By the way, uh, I'm taking a beating in the chat about Kelly Oubre. <laughs> Apparently, most people don't agree with my with my uh, view on Kelly on Kelly Oubre. Oh, you got a lot of agrees. You got a lot uh, of agrees. There's just I, enough. There's it's a it's a balance. Okay, well, I must have just saw it's scrolling by like a slot machine here. There's so much going on in the chat. I love I, all this chat. I love all the chats going on. Yes. All right, so this is this is my fault because we didn't we didn't get into this before going down the individual players. Uh, Dave, we didn't get to get your take on it again because you were in post-game media availability. Greg and I agreed. I want to see if you agree with us as well. And, of course, everybody in the chat, let us know if you think so. Also, player of the game, DeAndre Ayton, 23 points, 10 boards, 4 blocks, 2 steals, and assists. Some incredible uh, help defense at times. Some other kind of lazy uh, help defense at times as well. Uh, but overall, just an incredible game that uh, at least Greg and I saw from him. Dave, do you agree? DeAndre Ayton, player of the game. Look, I'm the biggest Ayton fan. Uh, um, I, I still, I really like my heart wants me to say campaign was the biggest difference maker in this game though. Um, Cause he just, he, he was the unexpected one. We expect the most from Deandre Ayton and that's why we're so hard on him. Um, but campaign, we expect absolutely nothing from the Suns were in a big rut. I mean, they got down 75, 72 to the, um, uh, to the Pacers today, early in the third quarter. It looked like the Pacers just going to walk away because, because Devin Booker had his fifth foul again. And it's like, Oh man. So, it's just amazing that uh campaign just came in there with Dario, him and Dario are just aggressive as hell in that second unit. Javon Carter is aggressive as hell too. He just doesn't take as many shots. Um, but yeah, that's just so fun to watch. It's so fun to watch. Those guys are propping up Frank. Frank's got it. Overall so, Dave, 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 do, you, do you agree though? No, I think it's campaign. I'm going to call campaign? campaign. Yeah. All right. That was actually the argument we had. It was between <laughs> between De DeAndre Ayton and Campaign. Uh, except Tim wanted uh, then changed his mind and wanted to make it Cam Johnson, and I said no. If we're going to make it somebody that isn't Campaign, it's going to be DeAndre. Ayton. Well, I mean, I was just looking at that positive. I I did think the eye test was was Campaign. Um, I thought that he had the, the largest impact on the game when the Suns really needed uh, a difference maker. Um, looking at the who was actually doing the best in terms of outscoring the opponent when on the court, Cam Johnson. If you look at the box score and consistent impact on the game front to start, it was DeAndre. I, I love, I love that uh, Rick Johnson, one of our flaming ballers just keeps, just keeps saying Cam Johnson was a plus 36. So <laughs> I think we know who he thinks player of the game was. And I, yeah. you know, honestly, I don't, I don't care. I mean, if you look at this across the board, you could have picked either of the cams or DeAndre. You needed all three of those performances to pull off this big win today. So I don't think you could go wrong across across the board there. Uh, but momentum swing, uh, Cam John or campaign was that consistency throughout the game was was Cam Johnson and overall best performance was DeAndre Ayton. So I think we're splitting hairs here yep. if we argue about which one of them. Pretty freaking incredible it, that we can that we're fighting over 
who had the best game uh, when it's just the Suns are four and zero in this bubble, and they actually have a they actually have a legit shot to play themselves into the playoffs, and they're not wilting under the pressure. So uh, let me just read off a couple. I'm going to find some good. I did some quick transcribing while I was in post game media. Um, it's uh, Monty Monty answering questions uh, at first. It's really cool to see us come together as a team. Um, as on the bench, that group that came in the game, it wasn't just a spark. It was a bit of an explosion. Absolutely. That's true. Um, but they're never satisfied. They're always looking to the next game. We have to dial in on some things. If we take care of those things, we may have a chance. I mean, they don't rest on their loyals. They're just not happy to be here. And every single post game, there's a national writer from somewhere going, aren't you guys just happy to be here in, in, in various wording versions and, and Monty and Devin and those guys, they just keep answering. No, no, we belong here. And, and then Monty's even getting frustrated with all the people asking how much Devin has changed this year. Um, and let's see, uh, two, 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 what did he say? No, shoot. I can't, I can't find it right now, but he's like, Oh Yeah. I don't think this is going to change Devin's mentality because this is the way this young man has played all the time. People are just now noticing. I thought more people were paying attention around the league, but I guess I was wrong. How so, How did somebody still ask the question, oh, do you really think you belong here? Or, you know, or, well, are you, they're are literally you asking questions. Here? You guys are happy to be here. Can you believe this great fortune you're having, this great run you're on? Are you, are you just thrilled over how things are going? It's just like all these pats on the head from the national media is frustrating. It's condescending. And it's getting frustrating. It's well, condescending. And it's guess, getting frustrating for Monty and Book, too. Which maybe know. that's helping fuel them. Go I mean, on, honestly, on, if I kept hearing that, you know, I did. I guess this is the way you earn respect: is to kick the door. Well, they keep and, saying it. And I got to beat people. Right. We got to beat. <laughs> we got to win games to earn respect. They get it. The Suns get it. They get it. But it's like, wow, these guys really. I mean, there's just no. There isn't. There really isn't respect for the Suns' ability to finish this out because they're not watching how the Suns are beating these teams. The Suns are a really good. Team. Oh, and and when when you're the only undefeated team left in the bubble, and you just beat the other undefeated team and beat by sixteen the, points, one of the favorites in the West, the game before, yeah. yeah, you belong here. You might actually be the one that spoils everybody's uh, uh entire expectations of the whole damn thing. As a matter of fact, and and that's exciting. Like I I tweeted about this during the game, but. Honestly, this is what's what it's like to fall in love again with basketball. I know it sounds uh, ridiculous, but when you when we're going through as a, as a community, as a society, as a world, everything we are, and then you get something that's been as genuinely fun as what we've experienced through these four games, it's just a reminder to me how much I I I've loved sports, but basketball in particular and the Suns since I was younger. I mean, this reminds me of being a 10 year old and watching, uh, watching a playoff run like that 92, 93 season, those kind of things. It's, it's just, it's that thrilling right now to, to enjoy. And that's a nice reminder in what has been otherwise uh, a last seven, eight months of, uh, you know, just, a, just a beatdown in general yeah. across the board. In seven eight years or, or what? Well, no, no. I'm talking in general as overall society. The world, world. Oh, okay, yeah. <laughs> a, a, yeah. A decade of a beatdown for sure. Yeah. So. 
So let's get back to the player breakdowns, though, Tim. Where All right. So let's let's talk here? about let's talk about uh, uh, Devin Booker next. Um, he, you know, he picked up those those four fouls. Uh, you know, let's let's talk about the positive. We spoke about this a bit earlier. I thought that it was one of his best passing games. Um, his passes were just on point. I didn't realize he had ten assists. I think that um, uh, he obviously would have had a lot more if the Shun, if the Suns had shot better from three. Uh, not the case. Um, but you know, those four fouls he had in two minutes uh, during the third. Uh, that last one in particular was not the smartest foul. But apart from that foul trouble, he got himself into what did you guys think of Devin Booker's performance tonight I thought he had a really good performance I I um obviously he got himself into some foul trouble early in the third but he he handled it with class he didn't get a tee uh, he didn't get himself teed up over it he just walked off he he trusted his teammates I asked him about that and after the game and he's just like um uh, they're a backbone. I know uh, we know we're in good hands when the bench has to come in. So it happened. And then he came back and he helped close the deal. Same thing he did, helped close the deal on Tuesday, helped close the deal on Sunday, and he helped to close the deal tonight. Um, so I, uh, Devin Booker is playing the right way and he's doing incredibly well. I, I, I thought he had, uh, obviously had foul trouble, but um, I thought he had a great game and he had 10 assists as well. I mean, the guy's dealing. Played within himself understood that he could trust his teammates, did the little things when he needed to, even though he had five fouls. I mean, this is a complete game from Devin Booker. He's going to get the praise for what he did in the Clippers game, because, and rightfully so, big scoring output, game winner. Uh, but these are the kind of things that make you a star as well, a game where you have 20, 10, and 3, and you do – the la- do it with eight, five fouls in the last eight minutes and you don't foul out of a game. You help extend the lead uh, and keep your team co- confident and poised throughout that run. So I this is just as good of a game to me as the Clippers game was, obviously uh, without the sexy final dagger, but I'd much rather have a 15-point win uh, than, than nail-biter like they did against the Clippers because this was a team effort, and Devin Booker was a big part of that. Monty talks about uh, the next step for him is just being a leader day in, day out. You lead like this. You lead yeah. by example on the court in what Devin Booker did in this game. So fouls are really being called at a high, an all-time high. I mean, the, there's about 50 fouls a game being called in the bubble so far, and the average throughout the rest of the season was 41. I think it's because there's no fans, so the refs can hear the the slaps and the yells and, and all that uh, so much easier than ever. Um, I wonder if the future of NBA basketball is going to be like uh, football, where when you've got the ball, um, you you want the you want to be as quiet as possible while the plays are being called and while the fouls are being committed against your team. And then when you're on defense, you're as loud as possible so you can drown out the fouls your team is committing. <laughs> so I think that would be great if we could do that, where the where the crowd gets completely quiet when the sun's out of the ball, so we can get foul calls. Uh, thank you so much to BEs <laughs> on YouTube right now for supporting the show with that contribution. We really do appreciate you. Um, Boy, is that Michael Beasley? <laughs> <laughs> uh, I, I do want to, I would want to bring it back to another YouTube comment. I was reading that I misread at first and I thought it was funnier when I misread it. Uh, it was from the warg of wall street. He said, I hope going forward, any debate between him and I read Michael Jordan will be put to rest. He was talking about Mitchell. 
No. <laughs> yes, Devin Booker is the goat. Put it, mark it down. It's over. I didn't realize that was a debate. I must have, must have missed that one. It's only a debate with jazz fans. Right. The, the, uh, the okay. So the the matchup, I think, a lot of Suns fans, especially diehard Suns fans, were really looking forward to was uh, Bridges versus TJ Warren. I thought yeah. that Bridges tonight was impeccable. He kept TJ Warren to 16 points on 20 field goal attempts. Uh, TJ Warren was three and three of seven in the restricted area. Um, he was fronting him. He was keeping Warren from getting the ball in the cuts a lot. I mean, just an amazing performance in my eyes. Uh, Bridges on TJ Warren tonight. Well, and Bridges benefits from the fact that he, uh, he got to watch TJ a little bit in uh, last year in practice as well. So uh, you, you wind up uh, understanding that and learning tendencies and it helps you shut down a guy too. It didn't surprise me. I mean, this was the TJ Warren. We always saw, you know, this is, this wasn't uh, a huge surprise. We didn't, I didn't think uh, others may have, but I didn't think TJ Warren was going to continue to score at the level that he had through the, uh, the first few uh, bubble games here. So uh, a great job by Mikhail pulled out every, every trick in the book he had and shut down TJ Warren. Yeah, I thought I thought Mikel was just incredible. He's been incredible this whole time. And what's funny is is you can see players just kind of kind of power down when they see Mikel coming up on them one on one on defense and passing the ball off more and more. Mikel is just so fun to watch. When you drive into him, all he does is just keep stepping back and then he blocks your shot. I mean, it's just so great that uh, you can't get one over on Mikel. All you can do is maybe pick him off and get your get your guys switched onto someone else. And so they spend all their time trying to trying to get switches, and that messes up a team's offense. And that really just that has a trickle effect down, uh, keep going down, down, down. And and the offense doesn't perform as well when you're constantly trying to change the matchup so you don't have to um, have Mikel defending you. I think it's it's just fun to watch. I thought he had some really nice uh, cuts and drives to the basket, specifically uh, on offense as well. Yeah, absolutely. Are we worried about Rubio's decrease in playmaking? I don't think he's got a decrease in playmaking. I just think he has fewer assists because partly the Suns aren't making as many threes and partly because the uh, defenses are actually uh, playing Rubio to shoot. So historically, Rubio the way to beat Ricky Rubio is don't let him pass the ball and get those 10 assists um, is make him shoot and he'll miss. Well, he's been making his shots. And so um, he's playing a little bit more off ball and a little bit more aggressive and actually taking the shot as he's driving in the lane uh, because the defenses want him to shoot. They don't want him to pass. So um, this is, it's kind of an up and down thing. He'll probably have a 13 assist game the next game. Uh, it all depends on the, how the defense is playing him, but man, um, he has been stepping up. Rubio has been making, I think he's, uh, about 50, 60% on his threes in the bubble. It's pretty crazy. Uh, I, I love watching just how he's playing with the team instead of having to run the team. He's, he talked the other day about how he thought he'd be able to get guys easier shots. And, um, he has been all season and sometimes he has to take the shots themselves and, he, and himself, and he's actually knocking them down. There was a play that they ran, um, that the Suns ran, where it was Rubio was a ball handler. It was a horn set, uh, Sharich and Aiton. Uh, Sharich 
uh, popped behind the three-point line, Aiton drove to the basket, and I was just thinking, why don't the Suns run that exact same play 15 times a game? I mean, how do you, you can't defend it. I've always wondered that, why a team doesn't run the same play over and over and over again. And rarely, I think coaches outsmart themselves a little bit or players outsmart themselves. I'm not really 100% sure, but um, I remember last year, I think it was the Lakers, they ran an Avery Bradley uh, play. Uh, I think it was a double screen where Avery Avery Bradley curled around the paint and scored um, either on a jumper or a layup. And they did it like six, seven times in a row. And the Suns players couldn't stop talking about it after the game, saying there's no way we we could we were we should have let that happen. Once you see it two or three times, you should be able to stop it every time from then on. And then the other team has to adjust. So some of it is that the other team must have adjusted their defense, and some of it is the players and the coaches outsmart themselves by thinking there's no way we can go to that well so many times in a row. I mean, it was just it was beautiful. They should uh, definitely do it more often. Let's talk about Dario. Uh, so Dario charges is something I tweeted out to me. He his. Uh, uh, I love his game, but it's crazy to me how much more impactful he seems to be in the second half um, of games. Dario and Cam, I think they they feel the moment, man. They they both been balling out in the second half. I just love the way Dario's been playing. Uh, so aggressive, using his body, muscling in there, getting those dipsy doos, rumble stumbles, and and getting layups out of it is just incredible to watch. Um, and then Cam from the outside, it's just fun. That, that was the oldest white guy analysis I have ever heard. Even Al McCoy just he looks went, like an old white guy. <laughs> even Al McCoy just went, I don't know what the hell Dave King is talking about. Right now. <laughs> you know what I'm talking about. He's not the prettiest looking guy no. out he's, there. He's, in he's a very pretty gentleman. He also, the what he did to Jakar Sampson uh, today, who uh, Sampson was a negative 18 in 12 minutes with zero points and one rebound. Um, I just, I, I thought that uh, Dario just, absolutely owned that matchup Uh, you dave you said it right though i think guys like dario are feeling feeling the moment you know understanding Hmm. what it when they have to do something to to help pick up this team not trying too hard or forcing things and that speaks again volumes to what monty williams has built in his system i mean if you watch over these four games, the ball movement has been spectacular. Nobody is is stopping the ball. Uh, nobody's just doing things that take the offense out of the flow. They're they're just understanding the moment, taking the shot when it's right. Uh, and Sarge has been spectacular at that, especially in second halves of games where they really need the bench to step up. And he's been spectacular in that he's in a lineup that doesn't have a ton of playmaking in it when he goes in. Because campaign is not a natural ten assist guy. He's not going to get those assists. Javon Carter's not going to get big assists. So Dario is like a playmaker. And and he talked about this the other day that this is just how he's been his whole life, kind of playing everything. He was always the best guy around his neighborhood with the ball, and he was always the tallest. So he played center, he played playmaker, he played point guard, he did everything. And he's just used to it, and so he feels more comfortable when he gets to do whatever he thinks is right, rather than being the spot-up three-point shooter. Um, He isn't as comfortable in a role where he's a stretch four because that's all he does on the court. You know, you've got Ricky and Devin and, and those guys handling the ball. So he's really good in that second unit. And also, he really likes the guys he's playing with. He talked about it the other day. He's like, because most of the guys on this team, as you guys know, they have four guys from the 2015 draft. 
Um, uh, they've got several guys. Most guys are between 24 and 26 years old. James Jones put the, that the, that been added to DeAndre and Mikel and Devin. They're in the 24 to 26 year old range for the most part. And Dario said, our close age is kind of playing a big role between us. We all have similar mindsets, but it's hard to say when you're winning, everything is easier. Obviously teams come more together. You stick more together. I think we're in that moment right now. So part of it is they're enjoying the bubble. They're enjoying winning games and they enjoy the fact that they have the same mindset. They're around the same age. So um, things are just going well. And Dario did comment. This is kind of like a European championship or a world championship or Olympics. Cause he's been in international play for the last decade. You get caught in the right moment. Everything can happen. And that's what we're trying to do right now. So they're just taking the taking the bull by the horns, and they're doing everything they can. Yeah, I, I think Ricky and Dario having that experience in the international play. I know Frank hasn't played well, but I think he can. You know, having that those runs in the NCAA tournament and that experience uh, can probably help this team as well because this is completely different than anything. Uh, any of these guys have ever experienced in the NBA. No, there's nothing I think you can compare it to from an NBA perspective. And they, they're just making the most uh, of this moment. And uh, hopefully uh, this is something that, that solidifies this group as, as a team long-term and not just in the short term as well. So we have a, supporters only private Facebook group uh, that if you're listening to the podcast right now and you support the show there, or if you are watching on YouTube and you're one of our flaming ballers, we're going to put the link in. I'm going to put it into the chat right now. If you're listening to the podcast version of this, just open up the show notes below and there will be a link to that private Facebook group chat. But Greg, do me a favor. Why don't you tell people uh, how they can um, uh, essentially sign up to support the show if they're watching on, on YouTube. Okay, well, there is a join button uh, in the YouTube uh, chat that, or in the YouTube page and on the player that you can click there. That's probably the easiest way that you can go about it. Uh, you can also find the link in the description to the video uh, to become one of our flaming ballers uh, in there. We can chat with you uh, via YouTube in there. Eventually, we can do some uh, exclusive videos and exclusive Q&As that then we'll do as a, a podcast for everybody to listen to. And then one other way that I want to share here as well that you can support the show is with these Devin Booker, we won't call him Devin Booker. We don't want to get sued, but these legendary uh, shirts that you can uh, you can purchase at sunsshirts.com. A uh, fun way to show your support for what could turn out to be the moment that everybody realized Devin Booker was a superstar uh, or the guy that wears number one for the Suns, whatever's not going to get Dude, a suit. Greg, I bought there. one the minute I saw that tweet. No joke. Yeah, I... <laughs> yeah. Uh, I uh, we have a silent partner in this who's a graphic designer who uh, will not be named, but uh, did an amazing job on these. Fun way to support the show, fun way to show that you're a Suns fan as well. So that's another way you can support the program. That's there. pretty awesome. I'm going to get myself that. one this weekend for sure. Um, I think. 
the platform that's actually selling those shirts on, uh, those are super quality shirts. So are those are not like the janky six ninety nine. Are they true to ones. size? Uh, yeah, they, but it, you know, it's 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 not one of those shirts that's like the ten dollars shirt special at the arena. You know, uh, it's it's the shirts that actually fit well and you want to wear again. So um, I was super excited. I love that design. Whoever the hell that silent partner is, and the, the four dollars are going to make off of us uh, or off of their work that, that we're allowed to uh, use as well. Um, thank you to whoever yeah. does that. And we're we're gonna have probably a Bubble Boys shirt going up there. Awesome soon too that you guys can uh, can support the show with. Uh, just trying to have some fun with this run and uh give you guys some cool stuff that you can uh, yeah you post can the great well. post the shirt link when you get a chance uh somebody's asking for it and they want to know so, if this shipper will um ship worldwide i believe they do ship worldwide and you can i'm putting it in the chat right now it's sons shirts dot com and i do want to thank our our most or one of our most recent supporters uh titus max 99 thank you so much for that we all appreciate you uh all right so uh, dave you want to take it away on where the suns now sit in the bubble as of the time of recording this episode which is at 7 45 p.m on august 6th that's eastern time for, for... correct <laughs> Espo, you had posted the standings a minute ago. If you want to put those back yep, up. I'll pull them back up for you. So the Suns jumped up to 11th right now uh, with their 30th win on the season. Um, and Tenth, they are actually. tied. 10th? Yes, well, I think 10. they're tied. I think they're tied um, with a team that played two less games or two more games. Oh, shoot. According, That's too according small for me to, to see. According to NBA.com, the Suns are in 10th place with a 435 win percentage over San Antonio as a 433 win percentage. They're sitting a game back of ninth seat Portland, who plays against the Nuggets tonight. So go Nugs. We are all big Denver supporters. We are big, huge Denver supporters, Denver athletic supporters. Yes. And they're two games back of the A seat with Memphis uh, right now. Yep. And I mean, it's. They have yeah. a chance, right? I mean, this is, you know, this is the point where the Suns have a chance. And we went into yeah, this. They bubble. have a big chance. Yeah, they like they have a, it's pretty, re, it's, it's, it's realistic that it could happen. We went into the bubble thinking, all right, so in order for the Suns really to even have a chance, they'd have to go at least six and two. They wouldn't even then really be in control of their destiny. Who the hell thought? We would be sitting here four <laughs> games in with it being incredibly realistic that they could get that ninth spot. Um, you know, they do, they would have to, I, I think they'd have to win at least uh, two of their next four games in order for that to happen. Great. Back to have the merch, to win three. Um, really they'd quick, have to somebody three, did right? put in, we need a flaming baller shirt design. I'm Dude. working on I'm working on that as well. But okay, good. Uh, Tim, to your hey, point, help, I, I think they have to go with the math though. They have to. They have to. So as of recording this, the Grizzlies are at 32 and 37. Yeah. Um, the Suns would have to win at least three. Oh yeah, I, they still got to right? go at least seven and one. I think yeah. uh, to be comfortably into the plan. Um, the Grizzlies look. They lost Jaron Jackson Jr. I'm very sad about that. I never ever want to beat a team that's that's missing players. I really don't. Um, but you know what? It, it is what it is. Jaron Jackson is out, so Memphis is going to struggle. They don't have an easy schedule remaining. Um, uh, Portland is the one that has the easiest schedule, so it's pretty pretty comfortable in my opinion that they're going to get into eighth. They're going to have to do a play-in game. They're not going to create a four-game separation uh, at this point at all. 
So the Suns should be shooting for ninth. The Suns, if they go three and one, I'm comfortable that they'll be in ninth place or at least at a play-in for the play-in. Um, and I think uh, that's that's what the Suns got to shoot for. They are going to be playing. Um, uh, let's see. I had this open earlier. And of course, here we go. They got the Miami Heat on Saturday, mm-hmm. the Thunder on Monday, the 76ers on Tuesday, who are without Ben Simmons, by the way. And then the Dallas Mavericks on the 13th and the, on the, fi- on the final game next Thursday. Um, and that is TBD, but you know what, if it's about the Suns making it in the playoffs, it might actually be on some kind of national coverage, but um, the tough games obviously are the heat and the thunder. So I think they can beat the Sixers without Ben Simmons and they can beat the Mavericks again because the Mavericks will be are locked into seventh and they're probably going to rest some guys. Um, they don't have anything to play for. So it's really the heat and the thunder. Uh, that the the Suns really got to worry about. Well, uh, if, how, if I mean, Butler, they, uh, sorry, was, keep going. Potentially no but, Butler Dragic on Sunday yeah, or Saturday. Yeah, uh, Butler's Butler's hurt. So uh, and Dragic has been hurt. His seems less serious than Butler's, but you could wind up having a Look, uh, a depleted Miami team as well, and yet another I, thing falls in line. Do you remember though game. last year? Um, <laughs> if you look at his game log it's really really interesting goran dragic he was out with a knee issue for like a month before the suns game he played the suns game got a double double in points and assists played maybe one other game right before or after that and then was out for a few more weeks um the dude's gonna play saturday <laughs> so, so you're saying revenge game is what we're gonna see the Great. constant revenge <laughs> Greg, can you can you bring up this comment from uh joel ramirez in the youtube chat <laughs> Uh, no, not that one. I'm sorry. Oh. <laughs> it's, uh, it's, it's the one about the NBA uh, bringing in a uh, Tim Donaghy out of retirement to I, ref the Suns' last four games. I'm that not is, seeing yeah, that yeah, yet yeah. in in uh, in the control panel, but uh, that would not shock me. Yeah. A late That's... addition to the bubble, Tim Donaghy, Tim Donaghy and his mob friend is currently yeah. in quarantine to call the next Sun. <laughs> yes. That would be oh, hilarious. Uh, Greg, tweet of the game, my friend. Tweet of the yeah, game. Yeah, let's pull that up. Uh, it's a little national love for the for the Suns, finally, uh, from a friend. No, nah, I guess he's not a friend. I don't really know him. But somebody over at the ringer, one, uh, our boy Kevin O'Connor over there, uh, he says he strikes out bright future Suns, which is what he kept calling them, and calling them the bright now Suns. So, it's at least one national guy that, uh, that understands, Hey, this team may have uh, really turned a corner and have something special going on in Orlando. So uh, props to Kevin O'Connor over at the ringer for actually uh, taking some notice of what's going on here in the, uh, and well, not in the desert, but here, uh, which is really, really interesting because Kevin O'Connor had been over the past couple of years, one of the sun's only national sympathizers yeah. um not necessarily supporters but one of the national sympathizers and now i saw some yeah he's always had our back but now i saw some hate on him today so he must have said something recently that was out of character for him about negativity about the suns um zach Lowe and uh kevin arnovitz were on Lowe's podcast the other day and they were talking very positively about the suns low more so than arnovitz arnovitz was it. doing the um doing the 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 um the the head tap, you know, oh, good job, good job, you know, whereas Lowe was really like, this is a really good, and I feel like they have a chance. Dwayne Wade said that he calls the Suns the dark horse 
to make that ninth seed or eighth seed. Uh, but although he picked Portland to actually take over that ninth place, but now that Memphis is completely tanking, it could tanking. It could be both. Portland I mean, didn't, and, and didn't they have the worst chance of making it when that? Yeah, like, yeah, one in ten thousand automatically. The, one in the ten thousand. Yeah, yes. they were they were the worst worst odds. Washington had better odds. Washington has actually fallen so far behind that Charlotte, who's not in the bubble, has passed them in the standings, which is pretty damn impressive. <laughs> oh my gosh, Ed Eduardo just commented: Nuggets will be without Murray. Barton and Harris, which has been the case the whole time, but also Troy Daniels and Paul Millsap. They have oh, no guards. Bad. No, but Troy Daniels has been basically their starting point guard for a while because right. all let their him start. Are hurt. Let him start. Oh, yeah, oh, but no, no. We want Denver to win tonight. We need Denver to beat Portland. <laughs> uh, so, give, me, give me that whole triple double for the helping the Suns out. Whatever it Bull takes. Bull and um and um obviously shit, Porter. Uh <laughs> I Michael can't even Porter think of his name. Michael Porter Jr. Thank you. I was trying to say Kevin Porter, but that's the other team. That's the Cavaliers who are not in the bubble. Um, Michael Porter Jr. has got to get another 30, 30 bagger. Yep. So on uh, on that note, since the Suns are playing on Saturday night, uh, we will likely record Sunday morning unless we decide to do a post show Saturday evening. That being said, we certainly won't be recording Saturday morning. Oh, so. there's no way I can be on Saturday afternoon show. Anyway, I've got my oldest daughter is graduating from PA school this week. And so we're having a, um, a small socially distant party on Saturday. So what I'm not allowed PA to watch school? the sun. Is that production assistant? I'm not, I'm be, no, not trying to be no physician. Sorry. Oh, physician physi assistant. So, gotcha. um, yeah, doctor's office, hospitals, things like that. Yeah. So much, she's much graduating from that. Assistant. Yeah. So big, big, huge congratulations to her. Um, and we're going to have a little tiny socially distant party on Saturday. So I can't watch basketball. Well, congratulations um, to her. So Sunday thanks. morning, Sunday uh, morning, we will be live here on. Oh this, yeah. On uh, Darth Boyd had just offered to do the show with Espo if they yeah. wanted to do a post game. Wait, what, what, what about, what about me? Do I not exist? Thought you couldn't do it. Maybe we will do a special post game and then the three of us can get together. Uh. Darth, Hit me up in the DMs. No, we ain't doing it with Darth. Darth that just said, well, I'll do it with you. You know, like, <laughs> I, like, I, on your show then, Darth. We'll slide in. I think he was just speaking for me. That's all. All right. So on, on that note, do us a favor. Hit the like button, uh, the thumbs up button. It really does help. Espo, yep. I apologize for cutting you off. I was just going to say congratulations to Dave's daughter. Uh, it's you. amazing that you've overcome being Dave's daughter to be successful. So congratulations <laughs> on that. More power to her. That's right. Yeah. It's, uh, it's also great that you've been able to to get time off working in the retirement home to come on and do these spots. <laughs> We're all in bed already. So Imagine all the shit I'm going to have to clean up in a few minutes. <laughs> <laughs> so on that note, thank you so much for everybody that joined us live for this post-game show. For Dave, Greg, and myself, we will see you again uh, at least um, Sunday morning for uh, when the Suns play the Miami Heat. Oh, Talk to you all